we were going to a movie and he was driving me home, dropped me off at the apartment and I didn't want to get out of the car because I had this feeling that when I wasn't with him, I was floating. We have our own moment of when we said I love you, but I knew was when I didn't want to get out of the car. Hello and welcome to another episode of Love and Citizenship. I hope you're well, I hope your loved ones are well, and thank you for tuning in to another episode this week. This episode today is a very special one for me, and in a very meta way, I would say for you as the listener as well, because this podcast wouldn't have existed if not for our guest today. If you've listened to the first episode, Planting Beans, You know that there was a point in my life where I mentioned doing a podcast as just a throwaway joke. And I had a friend who grabbed me by the shoulders and told me to take it seriously and just told me that don't don't just brush it off. There might be something good in there. And that friend was Liz. Now, Liz, or more formally, Elizabeth McGuire, is a creative based out of Dublin. She does have a day job as a digital marketing professional, but when the night comes and the cape's out, she runs a brilliant, brilliant platform called Flea Market Love Letters. And I will leave a lot more about it in the show notes below. But Flea Market Love Letters essentially is a space where Lizzie took her longtime hobby of collecting vintage letters and took that to the next level where she started cataloging them and with permission, publishing these letters that she'd found. And I would implore you to check those out. I think especially if you get something out of the conversation that we have today, they might be of interest. So I leave all of those linked down below. But our guest is one of my dearest friends we met in Dublin as work colleagues. And it has been truly an incredible privilege to get to know her and her partner, Sam. And when I was setting the foundations down for this podcast, one of the conversations that I was really looking to feature was with a couple or about a couple that have navigated a relationship through its ups and downs across many years, continents, like the journeys that relationships can take us on. And I wanted to have a conversation about how to make love last. And so when the time came, I pitched the idea to Liz and I'm so honored and incredibly humbled that she decided to come on and it's hard to really capture any relationship in an hour-long episode but my hope with today's episode is to give you a glimpse into how these two wonderful and honest to god just incredible humans have navigated their relationship of so many years also as a side note this episode was recorded while i was into my second week with uh, the Rona and uh, I'm fine and I pulled through it but my voice does sound very off in this episode and I've tried to tweak it but you know certain things you cannot make up for so I apologize I'd really hope it doesn't take away from the episode and if you think it does you have my complete permission to skip through my sections of this audio and as always thank you for tuning in if you like the work that we do leave us a review subscribe share it with somebody you think would value it and uh, without further wait my dear friend, Lizzie McGuire. Thank you for having me this evening, Pranav. I have to admit, I've just shoved my little animated cartoon character off to the side because it's one of the perks of being a Lizzie McGuire. You do 
at birth receive an animated character to sort of imitate your very mannerisms. But in all seriousness, I am delighted to be here tonight. I am very excited to talk about what we're going to talk about, which is something I think about fairly regularly, which would be love and the concept of love and how it's communicated. Because I, in addition to being a digital marketer, during the day run a digital archive of vintage love letters, which is called Flea Market Love Letters. So I started that in 2017, and it is my passion project and my absolute baby. And it is not at all weird that I have over a thousand pieces of deceased people's mail in my house. It's totally normal. Liz has been collecting letters longer than I have known her. And one of the first things I noticed about Liz was she, she used to talk about collecting these letters. And that's part then our whole conversation. And of course, I'll have everything in the show notes so people can check out the work that you're doing. She's put out some really good videos on YouTube lately and was also on like the, the television, the news. Liz, what channel was this? Like what, what network are we talking about? Because it was big. I was like, damn, I know this girl. <laughs> so uh, you're very kind. I about a month ago got a Google alert because I'm a nerd who has Google alerts set for things relating to letters. And um, I got a notification, the Guardian was running a piece on pen pals and letter writing. And for anybody out there who's interested in doing this kind of thing, a lot of the big newspapers and that will often run kind of, they're basically lead captures. So they'll ask a question and then you write your response in your email and they'll go to the journalist who's writing the piece and they might get in touch to follow up with an interview. So they sent one, they pitched one about letter writing and I, you know, got this notification. I thought, oh, that'll be fun. I'd done one before for the Irish Times, coincidentally about my relationship that we're going to talk about. So I mm -hmm. was used to this and I thought, oh, that'll be fun. So I, I sent it in about letter writing. I got this mysterious email from this woman named Morwenna Ferrier and I was obsessed with her name. So immediately I agreed to a Zoom because I was just needed to meet this person. We did an interview and by an interview, I mean, she listened to me talk for about 40 minutes about mail. And then I didn't hear from her for a month. And I thought, you know, that was fun. And, mm -hmm. and then the, the day before the article came out, I got an email that said, our, you know, our, our photo department or whatever it is, needs a photo of you for this article. You're a, a voice in it. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, great. So I sent them a headshot I had done, boom, ready to go. The next day I opened my phone and my face was all over a Guardian article. And <laughs> it just snowballed into the most absurd 22 days of my life uh following in about an hour after the guardian article came out i had two messages on twitter one was from a dublin-based news station that wanted to do a radio piece another was from someone who claimed to be from sky news and i was like hell yeah so i emailed the sky <laughs> news lady and they were like can we you know zoom you tomorrow and pran can see where i'm sitting i immediately was like of course you can and then called the videographer I work with and was like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I need help. So he dropped everything, set up his awesome little studio for me. I went in the next morning and for seven minutes, I somehow managed to talk about mail on Sky News. Um, <laughs> and it was incredibly bizarre. Um, it also doesn't, Pran understands this and anybody listening will quickly learn that I have quite all over their sense of humor. And it didn't really help that as I was, you know, sitting and waiting to be patched in, it's basically just like a normal Zoom, except you're going on international television. And uh, there's a guy in the speaker and he's going, hi, Liz, this is Niall. We're just going to patch you in in 30, in, tw in 20. 
15. And then the segment that's playing before you is about like Kenyan genocide. Oh and you're God. sort of like, oh, oh my God. And my, <laughs> my pal is the videographer was standing by the camera and he was just kind of looking at me like, and we just, we tucked and rolled and I have not watched the interview back. I blacked out. I don't really remember what I said. My boss texted me because in the first 10 seconds, I managed to name drop our company. So hopefully that's job security for the next five years. But yeah, uh, you're you're very good to ask me about the Sky News thing because that was so real. And then it was over. And then I just had to go home. And I just was like, okay. But it's been very good since then. Since then, I've had the opportunity. I was added to the BBC lead list, which for anybody who's interested is you sign off on having your name and phone number attached to a keyword in the BBC search system. And it's fairly evident that my name popped up quite a bit. Because last week I was on in London, I was on in Wales, tomorrow I'm on in Dublin. Like it's just, it's been a crazy three weeks of basically every time I think it's over, like CNN calls. They haven't called yet, but it's not impossible. (laughs) It makes me so happy, but I also am like, damn, my girl's famous. Uh, for a while I did refuse to do things around the house because I claimed to be a celebrity. The the Thursday after the Sky News interview, Sam was, uh, he gets ready for work very early in the morning, gets ready for me, and he was putting on dress socks, and I was like, why are you, it was half six in the morning, and I was like, why are you putting on dress socks, and he was like, well, you know, I don't really have any clean socks, which would generally be my kind of wheelhouse, laundry, and I looked at him, and I just went, honey, I'm famous now, you're never gonna have clean socks again, (laughs) and he was like, how long is this gonna be, and I was like, a while, a good while. Bless, bless Sam. Like, I, I, I mean, you have your reasons for loving him, which we'll get into. Like, I absolutely love the boy as well. But just instead of like throwing a hissy fed, it's just like, how long is this going to last for? Which is just Sam to the letter. After on, on the Saturday, the Saturday, maybe it was Friday or Saturday of that weekend, I had told this Sky News story to every I, people on the street. I was telling this story to and on the Friday or Saturday, Sam looked at me and he was like, can we, can we be done now? And I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I was, he, and he actually, he followed it up with, he was like, I would like a, a story about me now. And I was like, here you go. <laughs> he gave me like a good 72 hours. And then he was just like, okay, it's, I, I'm going to, I'm going to clear the table now. I was like, that's good. <laughs> Keeps me grounded. I think, I mean, people have been collecting letters for years. You're not the first person to do it, but you do it with such love and authenticity and such genuine care for the people behind those letters that anybody that goes to your website, anybody that's not even known you, but just known your work knows like it's apparent. Mm. You've been doing this long before you were a celebrity, Liz. You've been, you've been doing this because you love, love what you do. The, there are stories in these letters that you share with the world. And I think that I'm, I'm not going to say it's finally being noticed, but I think it's time that it saw the light of day so it saw like it was appreciated for what it is I think and that same genuineness and love and no nonsense unfiltered lizziness has been so apparent in just like obviously me getting to know you but out of that came coming into your lives and when I say your lives you and Sam's and it's that same authenticity that same genuineness that carries on 
into that relationship. Like what I see mm. is what I get. There are often relationships. I have had relationships where like our public front was very different from who we were as people. And I'm mm. sure there's a level of that in your relationship as well. Obviously there's parts of that relationship that are private, but like the genuineness in both of you is very reflective of the people that you are and that therefore it is reflective in the relationship. So talk, tell me a bit more, I suppose. And I mean, it's a broad enough question. So let's just start with where are you guys at now? What's what's the day to day like at the moment? Yeah. Uh, first off, you flirt. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't a taken woman, and uh, for any for anybody who's interested, that was generally the rule of thumb when we worked together. Was I was just aggressively into pram, but because I'm a very happily taken person, I was always <laughs> like, "God, you're beautiful," and people would be like, "You're just really like." you really flirt with Brandon and I'm like, he knows there's no salt behind it it's just and and I think that's kind of you know you're saying where are we now but I experienced that we we moved to Ireland from the states three years ago now mm-hmm. and when we were moving we were leaving a very close-knit community of very interesting intellectuals you know artists lawyers all this kind of stuff when we lived in Washington DC and so he and I came together at a time when we were, you know, he had just graduated college. I had a semester left of college. We were still kids, but I was planning on moving to Europe generally. He wanted to come with me, but, you know, my mom was like, the first time I told my mom I was seeing someone, she was like, don't let this change your plans. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, it won't change my plans. And, you know, I told him out the gate in a year, less than a year, I thought at that time I was going to be moving to Ireland. And he wanted to get on the plane with me then. And it was just, so we had always kind of had this very close bond and, and our bond with our community in DC was very much the same. And we grew up together in that world of, you know, just honesty and going after your passions and lending a hand and connecting to someone if you needed to connect to someone. So when we came to DC, when we came to Dublin, it was a very different place because I had to kind of introduce myself to people in a new way. Mm-hmm. And because I was, you know, I don't want to be one of those people who's like so happily entrenched, but because I I had Sam with me and I had this kind of rock with me, I fell into a very weird place with making new friendships and relationships where I was neither, men didn't look at me as a potential girlfriend or, or whatever, because yeah. they knew I was with Sam, but they mm-hmm. also didn't look at me as a bro because I can, I am fairly feminine. So I fell into this very weird genderless space where a lot of my friends were men and then like Mm -hmm. women in other relationships, but then also a a handful of younger women who weren't in relationships and who were kind of drawn to the fact that, I mean, you said it, but, but Sam and I can kind of, when we're in front of people, you know, we have arguments, but we also laugh them off and we have you know, decisions get made kind of through body language and just general knowledge of what the other person knows the other person wants. And that, it, it draws people together in a way. So there's a mm-hmm. lot there that I've just said, but it was, it, we moved here and I fell into this very weird place, which is why I appreciated getting to know you because, you know, I was teasing, like, I, I would flirt with you a lot and I would just be very like, oh, Pran is so lovely and wonderful. But that mm-hmm. was because everybody looked at me as this like sexless creature. So I could just walk around and do that because, you know, Mm -hmm. Sam would show up at work and bring me dry socks when it rained one day and McDonald's when I forgot to bring lunch. So everyone was like, oh, there's just Sam. There he is. (laughs) And I was just 
I was just in a very safe space with that, but it was a wild year or two to be in that spot. I'm going to backtrack this like yeah. big time. How did you meet some? My really gorgeous roommate made a Tinder and yeah. she is wonderful. Uh, she mm-hmm. is, you know, a five foot eight, but maybe five foot five. I'm five foot eight or nine. I'm brunette. She's blonde. She wears pearls. I wear animal shaped necklaces. Like we were a sitcom in college and we were very, very close. And she made a Tinder one night and I basically was like, well, if she can have a Tinder, I can have a Tinder. So Mm. I made a Tinder and I was playing around on it and I matched with Sam and we texted for three or four days. And then I moved it to Facebook messenger. Then we had our first date I want to say like right before or after Halloween. Yeah, November 2nd. Our first date was November 2nd. And famously, I got the drunkest I ever got at a a college party two days before. And as Mm -hmm. I was being walked down my hallway, I just kept saying to my roommate at the time, to Emma, I was like, isn't it so good that I didn't call that guy? And like that guy would eventually end up being Sam, who has since then, (laughs) you know, seen every inch of every part of my personality. But on October 29th in 2015, I was like, I'm, I'm so shady. Like, he doesn't know this. I'm doing this. And she was like, what? <laughs> um, and, you know, it, the rest is history from there. November 2nd, we went to a bar and I got to the door of the bar and I panicked because I was like, OK, I've been talking to this guy online, never met him before. And so I had gone to a liquor store, as you can in D.C., and I had mm-hmm. bought basically an airplane sized bottle of wine. And so I went to a parking lot that was next to the bar and I just drank it. And when I, it, it was false confidence and I got into the bar and we had one drink and uh, I'm probably misremembering it, but I remember Sam saying, you're much more animated in person. And uh, that to this day, that is still one of the things we quote back to each other when I'm being a little bit dramatic. I'm like, I'm much more animated in person. I know. <laughs> What was it like meeting him? So the first time I had no idea what I was doing. I had never been in a relationship before. It was just a disaster, basically. I was a 21, 22 year old nerd who was kind of like, he claimed I was beautiful. And I was like, had never thought of myself like that before. So I showed up and I was like, what am I doing? And we left the bar and I didn't want the night to be over. So I uh, recommend that we go get McDonald's in his Bubby's old car, which was his car, his green Bubby's old like Toyota or whatever it was. We drove to my apartment, which was DC prices. So I was sharing it with three other people in twin beds and then just monopolized the living room for like four hours. And I was in heaven. And when it was over, I had absolutely no concept that I had forced three other people to not leave their rooms for four hours because I was like in bliss. So that's what it was like meeting him. I was terrified. I drank a bottle of wine in a parking lot. Then we got McDonald's and made out and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I know a lot more about this relationship because I've known you for such a long time, but I think... Are we in two years? Is that two years now? Two and a half years? Two and a half, yeah. It feels like a lifetime. And I've, I've had friendships that lasted years. And every friendship adds a lot to you. And I eventually reached the point where it's like, I think I have everything I need in friends. It's just like mm-hmm. arrogance at best and naivety at, I don't know, some <laughs> level. But, but we're um, like, I get this. 
Um, <laughs> your friendship, because I mean, I have a friendship with Sam, I have a friendship with you, and then I have a friendship with the two of you as a couple. And as a couple, I see you more as my adopted parents than I do as like <laughs> friends. <laughs> Many a times have I commented on Liz's pictures, adopt me, exclamation, 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 please. <laughs> but I think your friendship has always served as an invitation to grow in like ways I never thought I needed to grow, which is, I think, something so good about a friendship, right? I'm going to get sentimental here, so <clears throat> pulling myself back. But uh... Well, I mean, do people need to know that like the first time we became friends was when I had a full-blown breakdown? And because we were, in a, <laughs> we, we were in a group training for work and we were asked to like, I'm not a very vulnerable person. I make a lot of jokes, but I'm not a very vulnerable person. Uh, I'll answer a lot of questions, but I walk around them. I don't go straight for the gut and Pran does. But the first time that we, Pran and I connected was because we had to do this group training and I basically had a breakdown because I looked across the room at him and at a colleague of ours named Kenny. And the two of them looked at me with such love and such support. And I just started weeping. <laughs> and I had to like be escorted to a handicap stall where I just cried for like 20 minutes. Because there was just this look in Brand's eyes where he was like, it's okay. And I hadn't ever had that before. Because I just, I don't know what it was, but I'm getting that look from him tonight for anybody who's ever gotten it or would like to get it. And it's intense. And I'm not crying anymore. But the first time it happened, Jesus wept. <laughs> I think you're used to it now. It's just, if I could ever put a label on that look, it's just like, I see you. It's, that's the label. It is the... I see the little girl who is very scared in the grown woman's body. And then Kenny was there to be like, I'm gonna hold you. And I was like, I can't do this. The, the smolder and the protection of Kenny paired with this, you know, different protective energy and vulnerability for friend. And for this little sheltered Irish Catholic American, I was like, hold me. I need to be excused to cry <laughs> <laughs> what a what a time when i met you both and th this this is a big one to throw but mm -hmm. i have never been in healthy relationships mm -hmm. the last relationship i was in was like three years back deeply unhealthy for both of us coming out of it was one thing and i think you met me at a time when i'd already been out of it for close to a year so I started mm -hmm. going to therapy doing the work and there's such like things in your relationship that I'd admire your capacity to have like discourse like even publicly there's been times where you've had this course I've been in the room other people <laughs> have been but it's never ugly there's a there's a way you communicate and when when I was thinking about the map for the podcast of like the kind of content I'd like to have, the kind of things I'd want to talk about, reflecting on long-term relationships, especially like relationships, like moving to a different country. These are all things that obviously I will bring up. Surviving through the pandemic together, all these different mm. things. You couldn't do that if the relationship fundamentally was built on something honest and strong. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you both are amazing people and that is great, but there's there's more to that. There's, there's more in it. And... A, a question such as how does this work doesn't do it justice there's there's all tangents we can go on so I suppose what was it like for you 
moving to a country that you'd been to as a student briefly, mm-hmm. but actually moving, like emigrating to with a partner. What was the conversation leading up to it? And what was it like having moved? You're both new people in this country. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was that like? Oh, okay. Um, so a few things come to mind. That's your, you're as eloquent. You've gotten more eloquent in your speaking since you've been writing so much. I'm, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm flushed. <laughs> um, so you, you said there something that made me think of a story that I hadn't told you before, that when Sam and I were dating for the first two months, I did an event and Sam helped out at it in DC and my mom was there. And my mom and I have a very interesting relationship. We love each other for the first two days we're together. And then, you know, we need to go off in separate directions. It's a very intense thing. And so my mom was there. We were fine. But I blew up at her about something. And Mm -hmm. with Sam, I have always been able to, he's a rare person that I can be 100% myself in front of. And it's not always the prettiest thing. I'm snappy. I you know, can be mean. There's a whole level of like when I am in a place, I'm not always the best. And I had one of those moments at my mom uh, at this event or taking an Uber back to my apartment for him to get his car. And we'd been dating for two months and he looked at me and I was, maybe I was saying something, maybe I wasn't. And he just said, I need to tell you that I didn't like the way you talked to your mom. And I was like, you don't get to, like, you haven't been here for that. You don't understand what this is. And he was like, I just need to tell you that I don't, I don't like it. And he didn't do it in a way of like, stop, or don't do that again. Or I'm discrediting, you know, 22 years of your relationship with your mom. He was just like, I need to say this. And I look at that as a moment where we really started to build a groundwork because it wasn't, it wasn't just something that bothered him that he brought up again and again. And it's it's why the two of us have a very realistic conversation often about family and our relationships with siblings and parents and how we interact with other people, because he opened that door with, I don't like the way you talk to your mom. And he was right. Mm-hmm. And a few months after that was when I told him that I was for sure moving to Ireland. I was moving back to Ireland and he wanted to come with me then. And I said, you know, we've only been seeing each other like four or six months. This is a little bit weird. Things worked out on my end that I got a job and I could kind of defer grad school for a year. So I was around for another year. I wanted him to see Ireland before he moved here. So we came here for a week and he absolutely loved it. He woke up every single morning like it was Candyland. Every single, like I put us on a basic itinerary of meeting Mm -hmm. my family, a couple of places, going to Galway, doing a couple of things, staying in some Dublin spots to get him familiarized. He loved every second of it. And there was this one point on the trip where he, I hadn't had anything planned for the rest of the day. And maybe it was another trip before that or whenever it was, but we were here, we were here twice before we moved. And I stopped planning things on one of them because I wanted him to see what it would be like to live here. And he got frustrated and he had a little bit of a temper tantrum and he was like, Mm -hmm. well, tell me what you want to do. And I was like, no, you pick what we're going to do. And he was like, we've done everything. And I was like, well, we've done the stuff, what do you want to do? And so we put the work in about prepping to come here. We came to see it. He took a big leap in deciding to do this. I always knew it was something I wanted to do. Came for grad school. He had, you know, it hasn't always been easy. We both had our, (laughs) I said to him today, why does it seem that when things start to work out for us, everything else hits the fan? Because Mm -hmm. both of us are in a good place now and COVID is still happening. And 
So yep. it's it hasn't been the easiest of, of the last few years, but it wouldn't have been possible without, I think, without him. What have been in, obviously, whatever comes to your mind and whatever just comes instantly, I suppose, or naturally, what have been other ways or like defining moments, like aha moments that come to mind of like, this is how like different sort of Lego bricks were set down of like, this is how this relationship operates for both of you, I suppose. I got very sick the first, was it the, it was the second Christmas we were together, but the first full year I got some sort of viral bug. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) there's very deep answers to this question. And then there's the answer that you're completely in the nude, ill, holding a wastebasket in the bathroom and your yeah. boyfriend is standing there going, do, do water? What is it? And you're just kind of sat there and you're like, we're here. Like this is, there is, there is. Yeah. No, I imagine it's akin to when like childbirth happens. There's a moment mm-hmm. where it's like complete and total, just the bones of what the deal is. And, yeah. and so he took incredible care of me for those three days involving multiple drives to minute clinics to get vitamins over Christmas break, the whole thing. And that was really where kind of, he has a very caring nature and I would have a very, you know, I care about people, but I tend to push them. So like, he's not feeling well right now. And I was telling Fran this when we started, Sam's not feeling well at the moment, listeners. And I got scolded because I was going like, why aren't you feeling well? Feel better. And he was like, <laughs> He was it, his method would be soup and orange juice and cuddles and mine is like don't get me sick take more medicine that's so that's how we've always been and that's our founder but one of those foundation moments was when I was deathly ill and uh, the funny part of that story is that he took me to the doctors and when when I was sitting like shivering on the bed waiting for them to give me my prognosis of a stomach bug <laughs> the doctor asked when my last period was. And I was like, uh, uh, and Sam could name the day. And I, <laughs> the, doc, the, doc, the nurse walked out of the room or the doctor walked out of the room. And I looked at Sam and I was like, what is that? And he was just like, a man knows. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Hot damn, oh. Sam. Oh, I'm telling you, there's a real moment. There's a real, I think, yeah, we've, I mean, we've lived together for five years. We, didn't really ever not live together. I always tell Pran this and he gets gooey about it. But I basically haven't slept without Sam in five years. I think I've probably oh. slept a- away from him uh, like a month in total. <laughs> there was there was a lot of rent paid by my parents to an apartment that was not necessarily lived in, but that's a different story. <laughs> Was there ever a moment in your relationship where you went, you know what, maybe this won't work out? Yeah. Yeah. We were living here and we had an argument about something we have an argument about a lot. Mm -hmm. And I had threatened 
that the next time we had this argument, it was going to happen. And it did. And so in our legacy of five years, there was about 45 minutes where I said we were done. And he stormed out of the house, called his mom. His mom was like, what are you doing? Go back. Like, do not be this person. Admit you f***ed up and go home. <laughs> because mm-hmm. he was like, mom, I've done it. She said this is it. And mom, his mom was like, you know, go back and fix this. And all of those issues or that issue came from a fear of vulnerability and of both of us admitting to the other that we weren't in control. So for us, it's, a, it's always a dance between kind of, I'm a very domineering person and he's much more of a passive person. So for a lot of people, it can seem like I would be kind of the bossier one in our relationship. But I would say a lot of the times he's been doing a lot of mood swings lately. I keep looking at him and going, people think I'm the bossy one. And because nobody's <laughs> seen him in a year. And I'm like, this is going to change. There's going to be some changes when we can go back in public. But like for both of us, it's a thing of him realizing like, okay, I have to push it a little bit more. And me realizing maybe I can lighten up and maybe I can meet him halfway there. But oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, don't, you don't get to this stage without slamming something down somewhere and being being a righteous bitch <laughs> yeah so so how did you come out of that 45 minutes like the 45 minutes of not being a thing just i'm walking out how mm-hmm. did you bounce back from that a deep ass conversation yeah i said this i was talking to my dad about coming on your podcast the other day and i was like Grant wants to interview me about sam and i and my dad was like well sam's just your brother and i was like i know <laughs> i'm dating my mom it's fine because my dad, my dad and I will have calls where he'll be like, oh, your mother forgot to buy milk again. And I'm like, can you believe Sam forgot to buy the sponges third day in a row? And we're like, oh, our wives. Like, that's, that's, I'm aware that I'm dating my mother. It's fine. And so I have learned a lot through my relationship with my actual mother about how to not do things. Mm-hmm. So one of those things that I try and practice with Sam is talking about stuff. And particularly, you know, you asked what it's like to live here during COVID and all that. Today, as we're recording this, I know sometimes people don't like to date their podcasts, but as we are recording this or this week, the U.S. has just been put on the mandatory quarantine list, which we were anticipating, which means that any visitors from the U.S. to Ireland have to stay in a hotel for two weeks. Really, we knew this was coming. It's still a kill blow when you hear it. And our whole two years of this COVID thing, which is what it's going to be, have been asking if someone is really okay when they say that they're okay. And you have to be prepared to drop everything for when they're not. Because yeah. I'm, I'm like, I came downstairs this morning after I read the article about the quarantine. And I said, let's table some of the stuff we had to do today. And Sam was like, Ooh, why? I love not doing anything. And I was like, because when I was in the shower, I tried to cry and it didn't happen. I was like, Mm -hmm. that means it's coming. And he was like, deal. So he gives me a space where I can be like, I'm not good at feelings, but there's feelings coming. And I give him a space where he's often too good at feelings. And I sometimes have to push to get him to the point where he'll talk about it. So I suppose it's down to, if we're going to really break it down Mm -hmm. to the basics of like knowing how the other communicates, mm-hmm. which which is which is key here. Yeah, and and knowing kind of, I still have a problem with when I take it too far, 
mm-hmm. and I have a real problem and he still will call me on my bullshit and mm-hmm. I genuinely there there have been two hour discussions had about how well I didn't use that tone and he's like (laughs) (laughs) so for anybody who knows us it weirds people out when we argue in front of people we know because we get along so well that like we we argued in one in front of one of our friends and he like doesn't respond well to it he just Mm -hmm. kind of stood there and like stared at us (laughs) and it was basically that we are a very in tune and yeah. to be in tune there comes friction and you have yeah. to work with the friction and that weirds people out sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that because you can't have a healthy relationship without friction there's mm-hmm. just no way you can have two people sharing an emotional space let alone a physical one that mm-hmm. is so vulnerable where like there's no friction if there's no room for friction then there's no vulnerability like you're avoiding that vulnerability like anything And that can often lead to friction. So anyway, there has to be friction in any relationship. What really, and I I, I don't know if you remember this, but this was the evening of me asking you guys when you know how to quit a job. This was the well. Oh yeah, of course. When you showed up in your incredibly sexy suit and I was like, who is this corporate (laughs) America baby? (laughs) This is a whole other conversation that will happen at some point. But basically, I was 24 hours working less than 24 hours. I was first day into a job that I knew I had to leave, which I did leave the next day. But I was waiting to have the conversation with mom and dad before I (laughs) went for it. And by mom and dad, I mean Sam and Liz. So I met them for drinks. My text to Liz was, can I please talk to both of you? And Liz was like, absolutely well. 6 30 p.m i was like yes i will be there this was also famously the day where we were having some issues with our accommodation mm-hmm. and so sam and i had to go on uh part-time mom and dad duty where one yeah. would hand the phone to the other person and then the one would stay at the table with brand and talk about his life and dreams and goals and then the yeah. other would go outside and be like no 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 you can't just turn off the electricity not to the whole house please no not the whole house <laughs> yeah yeah so that evening when i was having my own like crisis of who I was and my identity and I think that was the first like starting point of that I also saw for me the first time where like there was friction between the two of you because Mm -hmm. you were put in such a stressful position what I saw was a relationship that had its cracks but what was even more beautiful that day and I was like fuck me this is incredible was there was an argument. There was the way you dealt with the argument. You took your space. Sam went out on the call talking to the landlord. Then you came back. And I, I don't think you'd remember this because for you, it may not have been a big thing. But for me, you had your hand on the table. I was grabbing a bite of the pizza. This was well before I realized I was lactose intolerant as well. And and you just he just placed a hand on your hand. And then like there was a sigh. There was like a quiet sigh. And I was like, Whatever this shit is, it's magical as fuck. Like, I remember looking at that. It's like, that's, that's a model of a relationship I can look at and go, okay, this is a version of a healthy relationship. How, how can I tell you enough that it is so important to have those moments? You don't have to like each other all the time, but you have to love each other. Sam and I went through a period of time where he, we went to see Dr. Strange. It was when we were first really into, he, he, we, anyway, we went to see Dr. Strange and I had a meltdown when I got into the car because I was like, you never. 
want to watch my movies. To be fair, my movies at the time were like Pride and Prejudice and like, you know, fairly dry compared to Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. So he tried and God love him, he tried. But I gave him that break when it didn't work. And I think that's where a lot of people crack under the friction. Because unless you're willing to admit that every relationship needs separate spaces, and like, that's a, thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, I didn't remember that any of that happened. I just remember my house not having electricity (laughs) and you looking really smoking in a suit and being like, I don't think I want a job. And me being like, very stimulated. But like, when you you look back on moments like that, I, I can speak for him because I know this about us. We don't, as a couple we don't have a lot of friends we have Mm -hmm. friends but as we got older it got very easy to kind of be like oh I really don't vibe with that person and so we we didn't push that relationship with them so anybody that we are close with like you or that I'm close with like you is there for a specific reason and I think independent of a relationship just as a human being a relationship should be focusing on the person that you're with at the time. So in a partner, it's important to me that Sam is an incredible listener. He isn't a regurgitative listener. He listens and processes and questions, which is a skill I don't have. So when we're put together with someone who's going through something or making a decision, Mm -hmm. I, again, circling back to the theme, I push and Sam sort of receives so I it's it's a it's a give and a take and sometimes it explodes but that's okay (laughs) and sometimes it leads you to quitting your job 24 hours into it still the single best decision I've made in my life becoming a writer who who would have thought (laughs) if it hadn't been for the conversation though and I have I mean that evening was the evening of epiphanies I look great in that teal fucking suit you looked amazing ladies and gentlemen vote to bring the suit back <laughs> that's my power suit shonda rhymes needs to write a series <laughs> about you and that's your suit <laughs> i look great in that teal suit i i had this great epiphany about like modern relationships and love and healthy relationships but also this moment of i need to quit my job all of that happened in one evening. And I also maybe figured like, hey, listen, dairy doesn't suit me. There was a lot <laughs> happening that evening. <laughs> so great, great fucking evening when I think about it. It also brings me to the second evening that I spent with you. There's so many evenings, but like this is, for a lot of reasons, this was two weeks before lockdown happened in Ireland where we were all shut in. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? And the wells same place as before the well is truly a well of like resources i have a real affinity for that space it's it's an incredible venue it and it was built entirely because for ladies and gentlemen listening there is a shopping center that's right next to it and when i went in there the first time i was fascinated because this place is like a warehouse with velvet couches and i asked the bartender and the bartender said that they built it so that the husbands would have somewhere to drink and i thought it was genius but uh, it, it is truly incredible. And this evening, two weeks before lockdown, I still hold it as one of my fondest night outs because 
I got to meet these incredible people, people I'd already like kind of met, but then these different people that I'd known about or heard of, people from your class, people from the States that were now living in Dublin. Mm -hmm. All these different people, all these worlds of yours colliding, your cousins, all of these people in one space. It was incredible. But what was more incredible was the absolute love that was collectively there. They weren't, they couldn't be there if it hadn't been for you and Sam. So thank you. <laughs> but what, 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 I'm, what I'm trying to get at with this is you don't get to a place of having that adult a relationship, but also that adult a understanding of relationship without a journey of your own. I, I, I mean, I'd be very surprised positively if that was the model of a relationship that you grew up with mm-hmm. or those were the only relationships that you knew. Was, was that the case for you? Uh, so my parents married in their living room. Okay. My mom had my sister. My dad was divorced, met my mom. They dated for a couple years, got married in their living room. And when I came along a handful of years later, things were very different. And so mm-hmm. I grew up always hearing about kind of when, you know, things were tough and like, you know, my dad was running his own business. So mom had to make a lot of stuff work for like my four-year-old older sister and all this kind of stuff. So that is the relationship that I have always kind of modeled Sam and I after. And what I've always said to him is, you know, when I came along, my parents were still, they are still figuring stuff out. You never know stuff entirely. But my idea of young romance is one rent check and a fancy dinner every once in a while because you get the bonus check. But other than that, it's, you know, buttered noodles and movies at home, because that's what my parents built their foundation on. There's so much. I think this needs to be said. There's a whole conversation to be had about just our friendship, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's, there's been moments in that friendship that have kind of really forged like you and I may not speak for weeks on end sometimes, but then Mm -hmm. nothing changes. And that's important. That's Um, very important to me. I, I, this is not to make you feel unspecial, but I only keep the people in my life who I have that relationship with. I have friends from college who I did a road trip to visit in 2015 or 16. And it was specifically, and I love them because they know, I knew that they would never get themselves together to come visit me. So Mm -hmm. I just went to like two ridiculously out of the way us states that had nothing in common for a week because I was like, well, I want to see Kate and I want to see Jack. And I, I try and find people who are like yourself, who are, you know, who just connect and it's, it's, it's tricky, but it's, it's valuable. Because I think, I mean, romantic relationships are relationships, any, like any other, Mm -hmm. there's a different level of vulnerability and intimacy, but they are relationships and Mm -hmm. the fundamental values that you hold about relationships feature in all your relationships. Right. And it comes from like what what you've talked about your relationship with Sam so far has always been a case of meeting in the middle. You There's mm-hmm. a balancing act. There's a language that you speak. There's a mutual shared like set of beliefs and values and systems that work for you. And the relationships that end up working long-term are the relationships where you meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because that's what it is. Um, and that's what love is for me. The, the no, I'm, I'm not putting a romantic love or sensual love. No, no, just love. Love no. as an umbrella. 
I get that question all the time about flea market because people expect, so there's over 500 letters archived for flea market, three to 500. And probably a third of them are love letters, like Mm -hmm. physical, amorous, husband to wife, boyfriend to girlfriend. The others are sons to parents and siblings between siblings and friends to friends. And so when I, when I talk about flea market love letters, it, I get a lot of cred off the territory that people think, oh, you know, it's the notebook and it's all this wonderful stuff. But the reality is that if you go to the project, it is, you know, dear mom and dad, I'm in Japan and I haven't seen you in 367 days. Happy Father's Day. I hope I survived this war. Like that's, that's love in its essence. Mm -hmm. And what flea market is all about is that it's about communication and it's about how do we express love for one another and you're learning this through your writing and through publishing and for anybody who's not subscribed please subscribe to pran's newsletter Uh, i read it before jumping on the call today square one it was very really i I connected with it uh he writes great newsletters no spam and it that's just what it is it's it's how do you communicate and your communication is that you're learning through writing and you're processing and you're becoming a, a whole person out of your experiences. And I guess just kind of the point is that there is no one type of love and assigning something to four letters is, is you're kind of, you know, you're limiting yourself when you say it's one thing. So I'm not going to call it love, but these are my last two questions before we wrap it up. Yeah. I have blue eyes and my PPS number is. (laughs) (laughs) When. When did you know you had a thing for some? Yep. It was, we were discussing this earlier, he and I, because I couldn't remember <laughs> what date it was. It wasn't uh, the so cake. We, we know this. No, it was, a, it was the cake, right? You remember the cake? <laughs> Six years ago. And he's like, remember that cake? Sure, it was the cake. Mine was, and I've always, I, I wrote about this in an old blog, and I should have looked it up. We were going to a movie and he was driving me home, dropped me off to the apartment. And I didn't want to get out of the car because I had this feeling that when I wasn't with him, I was floating. And when I was with him, I was grounded. And I didn't understand what it meant because I always thought that love and relationships were supposed to set you free. But what I realized was that what he gave me was a center of a balance. We started this by me telling the ridiculous story of the Sky News thing. I do a lot of shit like that. And I would be completely insufferable if I didn't have someone who after two or three days was like, that's enough now. <laughs> that's that that's what I need. I need the person who, you know, texts me that he's listening to the radio talk I'm doing at work while he's doing stuff. But I also need the person who's like, that's enough now. Mm-hmm. So I would I would say kind of, you know, we have our own moment of when we said I love you, but I knew in its abstract form was when I didn't want to get out of the car. Damn. Someday I'll write a scene about this. And He's just the beast. Someday I'll tell you about the time where it was snowing in the car and he told me he wasn't done falling in love with me yet. Oh, that's the note to end it on. Tell us that story, Liz. Oh, it was it was when we were when I told him that I was moving to Ireland regardless. And we'd only been seeing each other for a couple months. And it was snowing. He was dropping me off at the train station, the above ground mm-hmm. metro. And he was like, I, you know, I was waiting in the car to warm up before I went to get the train. 
And I was like, just so you know, this is, I am moving to Ireland at some point. I'm not going to get married and stay in suburban Maryland and be whatever, you know, your vision might be. Quickly realized he didn't have a vision, which was great. We could mold one together. But yeah, he just looked at me and he was like, well, I guess I'm coming with you. And I was, you know, we'd all be dating for six months. I was like, that's pretty intense. And he just told me he wasn't done falling in love with me. And uh, that was five years ago, five and a half years ago. I'm definitely stealing that line. Oh, you can have it. You can can also have the one where when we moved in together, I called my dad. Uh, We'd been basically living together for a year and a half in various like shithole apartments. Um, and we were finally renting one together. And when I called my dad, he just went, oh, playing house, I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and now you've been playing house for, how, how long have you both been in Ireland? Three years. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I, will, I will give my dad credit. There was an incident where I was teasing Sam about something. We were in the car. Dad was here for a vacation. We were, I was teasing Sam about something. And I really was just teasing him about it to the end. And my dad is not, he, he wouldn't normally be this way, but he actually, he told me to stop. He was driving mm-hmm. and he's like, that's enough now. And I looked at him and I was like, holy shit, you like him. <laughs> normally my dad would be like, ha, 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 throwing his one-liner and he did. To be fair, we got our ride out of the joke. But at the end he was like, leave him be now. So yeah. And yeah, you've been, you've been, cohabitating slash playing house for three years now which is which is beautiful yeah and i know i'm about to catch the cold he has because i've heard him cough about 50 times while we've been on this call (laughs) so i'm so excited for anybody who's out there looking for love i'm so excited to crawl into our little full-size mattress (laughs) in about 20 minutes and uh, just have basically my husband cough in my face (laughs) (laughs) but that's love isn't it that is love can't wait sharing the good the bad and the phlegm that's what love is it is is just it is just that oh no he's he's funny he um you know you were saying yeah i didn't know the thing about the hands uh but basically for the last five years i have fallen asleep in some form of not releasing his left arm so usually i'll just kind of like take it and uh, in the beginning, he was always like, it's really annoying. And now he's like, basically, he goes numb on that side. He's just like, all right, I'll be fine. <laughs> because it's like my bedtime routine is I'm just like, okay, hello, good night. For the viewers at home, I am, listeners at home, I am miming, wrapping myself like a sloth around my boyfriend's arm. <laughs> I'm also not a petite woman, so it's quite an image. <laughs> I'll 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 draw up a sketch of you just like clinging on to Sam's arm like a sloth, and put that on the cover art of this episode. It's as long as the bed is decently sized, and I'm forcing him into one fourth of it because that is the the, the general complaint I get is that um, I don't know how to share uh, things like that. <laughs> so. Love is essentially, if we're going to distill it down, is sharing the good, the bad, losing all feeling in your left arm as your partner clings <laughs> on to it, and also passing on cold, flu, whatever have you. That is love. That Also, I will put the caveat that love is losing feeling in your arm, but also putting your arm there every night anyway. <laughs> oh, well, that is beautiful. That is 
That is beautiful. Uh, Liz here is a writer as well. She she put up a feature on the website that I'll also have linked below, which is 60 Days into the End of the World. It's a reflection on the first 60 days into the pandemic. Uh, Liz, thank you for coming on to this episode. Any any parting words for the viewers? Where can they find you? Any words of wisdom, whatever have you? I'll, I'll open the floor to you before we end the call. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, anybody who wants to get in touch can find me uh, on the Flea Market website. That's just fleamarketloveletters.com, F-L-E-A, marketloveletters.com. Mm-hmm. There's a contact us form. If you'd rather just email me, it's info at fleamarketloveletters.com. I'm on Instagram, shockingly, at fleamarketloveletters.com. And uh, Pran, it's been a pleasure to be here this evening with you. And I am going to go downstairs and proudly tell Sam that I did not tell the story of my virginity. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> I'll have all the links in the show notes for this. Liz, I absolutely love you. Thank you for doing this. And uh, yeah, good luck with the cold. <laughs> and also, fair play for not telling that story. Mom and dad love you, honey. Stay safe. For the curious ones out there, If you're wondering at the end of this episode, Liz and Sam did get engaged in the pandemic and there's a wedding in the horizon and I genuinely cannot, cannot wait to ah, see these two get married. So thank you again for tuning into this episode and I hope you have a lovely day. I'll see you next week.